0: Good evening and the Lord be with you and we're going to continue tonight with uh, discussing the blessing, the blessing of God given to us in and through Jesus Christ, the blessing of God, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, but specifically following through from last week, that blessing as applied and experienced in the midst of trouble or pressure or when things go wrong that's going to be our subject tonight let me quickly remind you before we get there that august the 10th 11th and 12th i will be in albuquerque at the new life church beginning on friday evening we'll do two hours i'm sure there and then saturday morning saturday evening in the Sunday morning worship service. It would be fantastic to see you face to face and to share the word of God and be able to pray with you. So, but back to what we're talking about tonight, Uh, let me read one of the most controversial passages maybe in the New Testament, which is from 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, And beginning of verse 7, I'm not going to read the whole um, of the verses that come up to this um, because I don't want to address um, the entire situation here just as it applies. And so in verse 7, there was given to me, says Paul, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me to keep me from exalting myself concerning this I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me and he has said to me my grace is sufficient for you my power is perfected in weakness most gladly therefore I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, I, I say that's the most controversial, or one of the most controversial among many people, because of that expression thorn in the flesh and there's uh, a lot of people who want to make that some sickness that Paul had that dogged his heels um, and others have other ideas and so the argument has gone on for years. Well I have no time for the argument. The fact is um, Paul describes what was happening to him as indeed a thorn in the flesh and he said it was a messenger of satan to buffet him or to annoy him um to to like like harass him now this expression and this is where i'm not interested in people's opinions about this the thorn in the flesh is an expression that was used in the old testament and I'm surprised that nobody has appealed to that because Paul was uh, in his life before Christ a Pharisee and they had memorized the Old Testament. And therefore, it would be a natural that Paul would use an expression from the Old Testament that fitted what was happening to him. And you can read it in the book of Judges that. Um, it speaks of the people of the land of Canaan the enemies of the Israelites and it says in, in terms of their continual harassing of Israel that they were an annoyance to Israel and the, these people were pressuring them and it says there in Judges that these Canaanites these people who were harassing were thorns in their side, thorns in their flesh And so if I read chapter 11, 10 and 11 of 2nd Corinthians, he's been talking about these people who would continually harass him. These people who would uh, follow him and as soon as he had left an area, they would move in to try and destroy the work that he had just done. And they would lie about him and they would slander him and cause his name to be dirt throughout the Mediterranean area and, and so in my understanding which personally I find a very plain understanding uh, he is describing this ongoing uh, what nastiness of people but maybe more than that maliciousness for they had in mind the destruction of Paul's reputation to the point where he could no longer speak and so Paul sees behind that uh, annoyance that you have a messenger of satan and and that's the the background here. people who are making his life miserable, people who are their strategy is to stand in the way. Uh, of his ministering and living to the full potential of what he s- understood himself to be called to. A thorn in the flesh. The Old Testament's very graphic in many of its illustrations and illustrative words. And this is certainly one of them. Thorn in the flesh. Maybe I know a bit more about this than a number of you um, because we live here in Texas, and not only in Texas, but specifically in the hill country of Texas, and we we have a lot of thorns. We have the cactus here in, in I mean, whole fields of cactus. Um, we we have other unnameable, ghastly things that must have sprung into existence with the entrance of sin. For there's no reason for their existence except to cause your life a misery. Thorns, thorns. And and they not only scratch, but they dig into your flesh. There's a good reason why us folks out here wear cowboy boots. Because otherwise your foot is covered with these things. And and others which are, uh, I mean... uh, ghastly little things that are thorns all over and they they stick to you like velcro and, and you you'll not notice them until they've gotten down inside your shoe and they're digging into your flesh i, I know th- this is a very graphic and most personal uh, phrase thorn in the flesh it's painful painful but it's nagging because many times you can't get at the jolly thing uh, without half undressing and, and so it, it's there and you 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 say i'll get to it you know i'll have to get to it later uh, and sometimes you don't feel it until pressure's applied and then the pain goes through the roof um and, and if you you've picked up these thorns uh it, it's a pain that sometimes you don't feel uh, and, until the pressure is there and then uh, you, you you are deeply hurt by it it's a drag on whatever you're trying to do um, you, you can't say forget it you can't because it's digging at you digging at you, digging at you and so whatever you're trying to do there's always this that's reminding you of itself so it takes the joy out of life And it holds you back from efficiently doing what you intended to. That's what lies behind the expression thorn in the flesh. Now, when that's applied to life, as it was in the book of Judges and is by Paul to something that was happening in his own experience, when it's applied to life, when there's something and things are usually made up of people in some way or another and and that something, that trouble, that harassment, that pressure that is upon you uh, that sudden seeming to bring to end everything that you call life that, that sudden parting of the ways and everything that you had planned seems to be getting further and further away and and it's it's there like a thorn only this thorn is going a lot deeper than your physical flesh and and those thorns of life that Paul is speaking about using this expression um they, they bring about and this is very important the, the these pressures these harassments of that happen to us in life some of them very deep thorns others just a little annoying but they they bring out of us anger anger and and that anger can be an anger at god many times it's at god sometimes we are afraid to say that but it is and there is something of a scream inside of us that said, why should this happen to me? What's going on? If God loves me, why is this happening? And so on. If I'm a blessed person, why does this happen to me? Anger. And then anger at others, especially if we know the persons that are behind this thorn digging into us we're angry at them even if we can't get at them it can be the rising of bitterness within us it can be all manner of evil speaking about them that pours out of our mouth uh, and and then when we're around other people it have nothing to do with what is happening to us we are irritable to the point sometimes of lashing out of people for no apparent reason it's coming from our anger at these people that are hurting us or that deep anger that we're afraid of that's pointed at God. Or, or we do the other. Anger turns inward. And when anger turns inward, it's self-pity. Oh, poor me. And, and that that draws me down. That, that way of looking at myself as a victim and the victim of this circumstance it's anger turned inward uh, the the mentality that um, th- this that is happening to me now holds me a prisoner is accompanied with worry as to what the future holds and anxiety over all of the what ifs and perhaps and maybes and couldbes and what do we do now? and so these forms of life these pressures that come upon us that they, they cover a wide range and I'll not go into it just enough to say it is what others do to us and also it is what we share in common with all humanity you see we are part of a fallen race and things happen to this race the resurrection and the new heaven and the new earth has not happened yet and so these things happen and so there is pain in this life and there are disasters disasters from the weather disasters from tsunamis and earthquakes and so on it's, it's part of this world especially again living in Texas we, at this time of year we're always watching the Gulf of Mexico for hurricanes it's, it's part of being alive on this planet accidents that happen part of being alive on the planet and these things come from those we share life with uh, it's part of being in the family you're in. Certain troubles happen, and you, it's it, it's a family problem and it's a family trouble. Uh, in the city, there are. If you live in Chicago, you you are under greater pressure of the gangs and the shootings than if you lived in a little town on the top of a Tennessee blue mountain. You see what I mean? It's I lived in New York City and there were pressures there that we know nothing of here in this little crossroads in the middle of the hill country. Um, but but if, if I live among people, I share in common the problems that occur in the country we live in. Most of you speaking, I'm speaking to, live in North America, but others of you live in countries i have visited and i i know the pressure you're under i won't mention the names Uh, i don't want to get you into worse trouble but uh, in some countries i've been to where there is terrible persecution from uh, the the government from religious powers and, and you are watching what i'm saying tonight and it may be in secret that you're watching and you are experiencing these pressures and these thorns that dig into you because that's part of living in the country. And it depends on the government that we have uh, as to the policies they have that produce many times pain when it gets as far as our doorstep. You see what I mean? Trouble, pressure comes everywhere. And Paul recognizes, at least in his case, I don't believe we could say it so absolutely in every case, but he recognizes the presence of Satan, the one who desires to destroy everything that glorifies God, the one who desires to destroy the most beloved of the heart of God, which is you and I. And and, and so here you have it we're in a world and all this is happening where on earth does the blessing fit into that what's the difference then between you a believer living in the midst of this and an unbeliever who has no sense of God's involvement and love union in life what's the difference Well, the first thing Paul prayed and uh, I've got to be brief on this because otherwise I could get off on an hour about prayer. Because I love this, and uh, that's why I'm going to stop for a minute. It's too good to pass up. Paul prays. This is Paul. Paul, right? I mean, he's the chap who wrote half the New Testament. Paul prays. And, and what does he pray? He prays, and it says, Um, three times that's the idea there we would say prayed again and again it's not necessarily he chalked it up I prayed once, I prayed twice, I prayed three times it's rather he said I prayed again and again that this situation this thorn situation would be taken away his prayer was make this go away now the thing I love about this Um, Paul does not and I've got to be very careful here but Paul does not make a big deal about pray I've got to discover the will of God before I can pray rather he simply lays out the situation that he's in as he sees it and as he feels it and what he wants to be done with it, with no apologies. Now, Paul being a believer, and I trust you being a believer, at our very core, at our heart level, we desire the will of God and the will of God alone. But sometimes we, we make such a deal of that that we crush our own prayers. Prayer. Let me say it again. Prayer, it says, come boldly to the throne of grace. And boldness, the word in the language of the New Testament, means, uh, I mean, let it all hang out. Bold means speak without any fear that you're going to say the wrong thing. It means uh, uh, speak with freedom and speak without fear. No one is going to punish you because of what you say. That's the meaning of the word, bold. And and so I say again, Paul simply took the situation. Here he is, and in some way, uh, he is being pressured and harassed and hindered and hurt by these people. And so he lays it out before the Lord, shares it with the Lord, this is it, And goes on that as far as he can see he is bringing to the Lord his request to make it go away take it away that is even the way Jesus prayed in Gethsemane and now I've got to bring an end to this but in Gethsemane facing the cross which Jesus knew was coming but now he is facing it Jesus did exactly the same thing he boldly laid before his father what he saw was coming and said if it be possible let this cup pass from me now Sometimes we get so over our earlobes in theology, we don't see what's in front of us. Jesus was actually praying, this is happening, this is going to happen. And all of my human feeling right now, which I am bold to share with you, Father, is if it be possible, take this away and then he expressed that he was submitted already to the will of his father and of course he wrestled through that and after wrestling through it came with such awesome authority into his sufferings but I'm saying this because in the situation we're trying to talk about when trouble hits you what what do we do And, and Paul is showing to us, don't get complicated. Don't try and be spiritual. Don't try and fathom the depths of the will of God before you pray. You have a pressure, you have a desire within that pressure, share it with Father just as you see it and just as you feel it and do it boldly because he loves you and it's safe to let it all hang out okay and so he simply very simply and boldly shared what he saw at that moment what does he see what what do my five senses report of what's going on and to the best of his understanding at that point it would be a jolly good idea if this situation was taken away so make it go away that was his prayer and the answer because every prayer is answered sometimes not in the way that we asked in our limitations but it's answered in a way that transcends and goes far beyond what we were asking and that was the case here the answer was not to remove the trouble and why wouldn't god remove such nasty people from paul's life i don't know not really i can tell you what comes out as a result of them not being removed but you see some things are none of our business all i trust is the extreme love of the father to us a love that is revealed to us in jesus and poured into our lives by the holy spirit and so we trust and 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 that's a that's a question to which there is no answer as to why they weren't removed they just weren't but The answer given, and when I say given, not as a theory, not just as a grand idea, but given as the actual impartation of the Holy Spirit. The answer was that Paul would be transformed in the way that he looked at life. So he would see the trouble through renewed and transformed eyes. He would look at life because this was a revelation so big that it didn't only deal with this problem he was having, but it would go into all of life. It would reach down to his dying day. This would be a transformation. He would now see life See the problems of life the thorns of life he would see them in a totally different way so in this sense there's one event that he just wanted at this one time get rid of these fellows Uh, no, let me give you an answer that handles these chaps but also it will handle life and its problems for the rest of your life So he's going to look at life in a totally different way and come to an understanding of his union with Christ as he's never understood it before. Or, to keep to our subject, he was being shown the blessing as it applied to him in the middle of his problems. Because what happens to Paul here is that the blessing promised since Abraham all through the Old Testament, as we saw for those weeks that we looked at it, now that blessing is being specifically applied in Paul, through Paul, to us. How does the blessing come when the pressures of life are upon us and we're hurting with the thorns? There's got to be a radical shift in focus. What is Paul doing as he prays? And and you see, he's praying at his level where he's at. How how else could you pray? Where can you pray? You pray where you're at. And you see, if you understand boldly, you don't get a smack on the fingers for praying wrong. There's no... There's not going to be some great cosmic accident if you pray wrong. Paul prayed right in that he prayed what he saw and he prayed how he felt and he prayed what he thought would be the best answer. Now, there's gotta be a radical shift in focus. That's the beginning of the answer to his prayer. Right now, where is his focus? His focus is on the trouble. It's focused on the thorn. It's focused on the devil. That's where that's where he's looking at, focused there. How much it's hurting him, how much it's pressuring him. And everything that came with it. The, the possibility of, of not continuing ministry, the possibility of all that he has done collapsing, or everything. No, 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 no. This has got to go away so I can get on with the will of God and fulfill my life and my dreams. Well, that's where your focus Now move your focus. That's what God was saying. Move your focus. You've got to have a new understanding of the trouble. You see the trouble as ultimately hurting you, maybe killing you. Have a new understanding of the trouble see that in the trouble there is a purpose there is a purpose that purpose is not going to overshadow life there's going to be glory coming out of it but just to begin this there's a purpose there and the result of seeing the trouble in a different way and its purpose you are going to open the door to seeing the glory of God, the power of God, yes, the blessing power of God pouring into you so that you transcend the trouble. The trouble becomes the container of the glory of God. So, let me ask this question in order to get to the heart of that. What, has the trouble produced in Paul, in you and I? We can all join with Paul here. What, what does trouble in all its dimensions, what, what, what's it do? It produces in me a feeling of weakness. If, if I didn't have the feeling of weakness, it wouldn't be a trouble. The, the trouble with the trouble is that I feel weak and helpless to handle it. I, I, I would reach down inside for the resources with which to handle this piece of life. And, and I, 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 I don't have it. I don't have it. And the deeper I go, I realize I just don't have the strength. I, I, I search, how can I handle this? But I don't have the wisdom. and and so I feel my weakness, I feel helpless and that produces feelings of frustration And, and then I'm confused it can even lead to despair, depression and mental, emotional darkness trouble, and I don't know what to do with it and I don't have the strength and I don't have the wisdom and that's why it's a trouble if I had the strength, I could walk straight through it and I wouldn't even notice it as trouble, you see Well, what have I got to learn? It's so simple, yet in another sense, so difficult. We are getting really to the root of Satan's design, Satan's strategy. Learn that you are a human creature. We know that. Well, then be who you are. And a human creature is weak, limited, helpless, by design. We, you and I, Paul, we are created to be receivers. That is, those who receive not those who draw out from their inner selves we are first of all receivers we are containers of another Paul said it again it's in this epistle where he said and I'm quoting older versions I don't know what the modern ones say but the older version says we have this treasure in earthen vessels so he speaks uh, of the life of God in Jesus Christ now active in us through the Holy Spirit. And he said, we contain that. We are the containers. We have this treasure in the earthen vessels, in these weak bodies. And so, yes, we feel the weakness, but the weakness is swallowed up by the treasure that it contains or again he said we're containers only using a different illustration he says don't you know that your body is the temple or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the expression filled with the Spirit does not not suggest you, you are a container but it, it's, it's more than just like a cup containing coffee uh, that's what I'm talking about now just to give you that idea but Then he goes on elsewhere to say that you are a branch that contains the life of the vine and the life of the vine produces the fruit through you. So that's a container, but it's much more than a container. It's an organic union. And in that intimate organic union, you are receiving the life of another. A branch in itself can do nothing Oh, come on. You may be a city folk, but uh, you've seen when a branch comes off a tree and it's disconnected from the life. I mean, uh, within a day, certainly within two days, every leaf is withered, the thing is dead, there's nothing more happening. It's disconnected from the union that it has with the life of the tree. But Jesus said... You are the branches, I am the vine. You have an organic union, and his life is infused into you, and therefore his fruit is upon your branches. But if I'm speaking just of myself, in my creatureliness, I'm a branch that can do nothing except to receive the sap, the life of the tree. I'm a cup, I'm a container, uh, nothing except to receive the fullness poured into me. You see, I'm a receiver. So in myself, if that's where I'm going to look, I am weak, and I'm supposed to be weak. Oh, please get this. You see, I, I was raised in an atmosphere that that says you're not supposed to be weak. Of course, that atmosphere comes all the way from the fall. That that's what sin is in its essence. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But we're meant to be weak. I mean, embrace it. Get happy about it. That's what Paul does in the, this this passage that we're reading in two Corinthians twelve. That he be, he says, "When I got hold of this, I boast in these things. I, I I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. Yes." for For me, there's many things that are impossible, wonderful, impossible. Stop your struggle, stop thinking you've got to produce what you were never intended to produce. you were intended to receive, not to produce it in yourself and, and, and so we are weak in order to display the strength of God. We are containers in order to be filled with him. We are branches in order to bear his fruit. We are ashamed of our weakness. Because of the lie that started the whole of the darkness on earth in the Garden of Eden, Satan's original lie was you shall be as God. God. That is not dependent upon him, not a receiver, but independent with life and strength and wisdom and know-how in yourself. Sufficient, self-sufficient. And therefore I can, I must, I will be perfect in every way. independent of God I'll check in with him he's on the margins of life but I I have all the answers to life and I have all ability to fulfill them absolute lie but you see it hangs around it's in the atmosphere it's the great fog that Satan blinds the mind with and so you see when trouble comes what does trouble do trouble shows us that we're weak trouble shows us that we don't know everything trouble brings us to what my own mentality can only see is a dead end and then I fall apart. I'm angry, why should this happen? I'm weak, this is terrible, I'm ashamed. I don't want anybody to know that I'm weak, that this is a terrible situation. What will happen when? Now, I see, I don't know the future, I'm so limited. Uh, and what if, I, I don't know, and then I'm anxious because I don't know what's going to happen. First thing that you and I have to learn is we were meant to be weak. And trouble kills the pride that says I am strong in myself. I meet with something, usually in terms of some people, that shows to me I don't have the answers. And when I get angry about that or self-pitying about that, it means I've never faced the reality I was meant to be weak. I wasn't meant to have all the answers in myself. I wasn't meant to have all the strength in myself. And when I am weak and embracing that weakness, realizing this is the final truth about me as a creature and rest into it, and move immediately into the reality I am weak and he, Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit is the strength within me that's the grace that brings me the wisdom that's the grace that brings me the ability to live that's the pouring of life into me and so, you see, that was Jesus Uh, Jesus' life of righteousness comes down to simple words he says of my own self I can do nothing and he, there was no big deal he just knew that because he was the truth he was the truth about human as well as the truth about his father and, and, and so he knew and he said without my father I can do nothing Then he told us a few chapters later, without me, you can do nothing. Oh, come on, snuggle down in that, pull the covers over your head, enjoy. I mean, enjoy this. What a relief, what a relief. Without him, I can do nothing. And some people have struggled all their life to be what only Jesus can be in them. So we embrace weakness in order to immediately move to Him who is the fullness, to Him who is the grace, or to Him who is the personal living presence of blessing. And so we reveal Him. This, this was the great thing He learned. And you see, if I don't see myself as weak, I will not receive the grace. I will not receive the blessing. I will not, there's no room for God because all my attention is on me trying to solve the problem. So for a believer, weakness in any area, in any area is normal. And in that weakness, I discover the grace of God is enough and sufficient. My grace is sufficient, it says in the passage we read. My grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's enough. Um, It it covers all bases. It's, It's sufficient for every eventuality. This, this is it you, you've, you've learned now to be in the constant posture of receiving grace and grace is you could say the total personal giving of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit into you in this specific situation the grace of God is the personal presence and power of the Holy Spirit in you in this very moment, to accomplish in this moment the strength and the wisdom and the life of God in you. This is really um, what is contained in the idea of Old Testament uses the word blessing. And although the New Testament uses the word blessing, it uses the word grace a lot more um, grace it it, it gathers together all those great words of the old testament and says it has come now in jesus finally everything the old testament pointed to has come to us in jesus and is now being ministered into us by the holy spirit and so we enter into the success success of being humans alive alive in christ to be prosperous because we have the riches of God poured into us into our innermost person and the negative the weakness and the helplessness and the limitation and the lack of wisdom all that is swallowed up in the abundance of the grace the personal presence uh, of God the Holy Spirit within us And so, when trouble comes to you, in whatever way it comes, the way, how, you see, the flesh, that's me without God, Um, we react to the trouble um, with all the things I've said, with anger and anxiety and so on. And, 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 inside us it becomes a bedlam of noise it's like the zoo at feeding time because there's the trouble constantly we're getting input on the trouble from our five senses and at the same time there's me trying to solve the problem And what we're going to do and around and around and so this chaos of noise inside of us what, what does a believer do be still yeah, this is surface, you see. This is surface. It's very real what's happening. Feelings are very real. But be still. Stop focusing on the trouble. Be still and know that He is God. That doesn't mean know about it, it means be still and enter into the reality that you are united with him who is God and he is God above and sovereign and ruling over all including this and he is also God within you through the Son, through the Holy Spirit he's within you and therefore he's right there in you, with you in the midst of this situation and now From that posture we're actively receiving his blessing and his blessing is that spirit within us with all the strength and the power that we need for this moment and we lay the situation before him. What do you want to do in this situation? Where are you going in this situation? What part do I play in this? I tell you the old testament even though it hadn't come to the fullest revelation of the new it pointed to this a number of times and you might have heard me speak about this because i've often done so it's in the psalms and you'll find it so many psalms most famous of course psalm 23 but psalm 27 psalm 3 psalm 18 you'll find the expression over the lord is mine the lord is an enormous statement he's saying the lord god god as we now know him father and son and holy spirit the lord is present tense this micro moment now the lord is my so he's not the lord up there disconnected he is the lord now in union connected joined my the lord is my to get this all that he is is my i have been joined to him and what is his is now mine And now fill in the blank whatever the situation needs. And so those psalms that I mentioned, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation. Psalm 18, the Lord is my shield, uh, and so on and so on and so on. It's that recognition. You see, you don't have to fast and pray for 10 weeks to get there. Is as i speak to you at this moment as i speak to you now all that god is revealed in jesus and now in you through the holy spirit as you have confessed jesus is the lord indeed believed he is god from god come to save you through his sufferings death resurrection he gave himself to you the lord is And he is whatever you need him to be in this moment. This is the blessing. That's the essence of the blessing. That The blessing is all around you. The blessing is within you, ahead of you, behind you. You are blessed. How so? Because the Lord himself, not some little bit, but the Lord himself has given himself to you and he fills you through the spirit and he is around you like a shield and his wisdom is your wisdom be still and know that he is God and he is God within you or as Paul put it here which is an incredible statement and I hope I'll get time to finish it he says here let let me read this uh, again so we catch up on what i've been saying let me read the the text again he says concerning this the thorn in the flesh i entreated the lord i prayed three times that it might depart from me and he has said to me notice he has said to me the the tense there in the the language uh, that it was written in it means he said it and keeps on saying it meaning this is not just for that one case. This applies to all of life wherever you are. He has said to me, My grace, that is this blessing that comes to us, is sufficient for you in this situation. For power is perfected in weakness. When you know you are weak, then the power of God is perfected in you he can only flow in and through persons who know they are weak so Paul's response most gladly therefore wow he said I've never seen it like this that the trouble is only to make me know my weakness so that the power of God in all his fullness may be seen and known felt and experienced and flow through me so I transcend the weakness. He said, I'll boast in my weakness in order that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And then the last phrase for when I am weak, then I am strong. That sounds kind of backwards. When I'm weak, then I am strong. When I'm sitting down, I'm standing up. But you that, that's, do, do you understand? Boy, I wish I could see your eyes when i know my weakness then i'm in a position to receive without limitation the fullness of the grace that comes to me in jesus but that expression he describes this when i receive the grace as the power of christ dwelling in me now that that's a massive phrase and that's as good a translation I'm not arguing with that translation the power of Christ may dwell in me but it's that word dwell that it's hard to expand it into our present language the amplified version of the New Testament and you should really get one of those but he says here Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses that the strength, this is his translation, the strength and power of Christ may rest, yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. Did you, did you get that? He says that in the midst of my trouble that as I embrace the fact I'm weak in order to be filled with his strength and his grace that what's the result of that the strength the power of Christ may rest yes may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me now it's that word dwell you see it means to to pitch a tent and it, it when it says pitch a tent and the glory of god dwell there you're talking very much of what happened in the old testament when the holy of holies and that glory of god that the hebrew people call the shekinah glory dwell there like a, a non-created light and so the Woost translation, which is a great Greek scholar, and he says, my grace is enough for you, for power is moment by moment coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ like the Shekinah glory in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle may take up its resident in me working within me and giving me help. For when I am weak then I'm filled with ability and power. Do you... I can't keep saying that. (laughs) The, The glory of God comes upon us. Do you know who you are? Look, I know I am speaking... To people, some of you do not have much education. Maybe some of you don't live in the best area of town. Maybe you live in a country which is suffering, and whatever your situation, some of you that I'm speaking to do not feel that you're worth very much. Some of you do not feel you have very much significance in this world. Do you realize? That you are the container of the glory of God do you realize that as I'm speaking to you right now the very light and glory of the Father revealed in Jesus is now enshrouding you and filling you by the Holy Spirit you are the very expression of the power and presence of God on earth in this moment that's who you are so you are this is the gospel and I'm declaring it to you and and, well you see it says it I've already said it your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is the Shekinah the glory of God dwells in you takes up residence so here the trouble around me the pressure I feel weakness and until tonight you may feel terrified of the weakness afraid of the weakness, ashamed of the weakness, fight the weakness, deny the weakness, anxiety over where it's going to take you and all the rest of it. Now understand that trouble that has shown you your weakness, then I am weak and he now is my strength, he now is my wisdom and I can receive that moment by moment. And in so doing, transcend the trouble, rise above it to the point where I hardly see it. It, it was only necessary to show me. And, and maybe that glory of God that is seen in that blessing, um, maybe indeed, the, the circumstance will change. Oh, we've got plenty of proof of that in Scripture. Miracles in the changing of circumstances, but not just magic, kapoom, make them go away. No, let's understand what they're doing. They're showing your weakness in order that you might receive the grace. And then you move into that realm of, with God, nothing is impossible but others and there's plenty of proof in scripture there are others it's not always the miracle of taking it away others walk through it and they receive the grace minute by minute in it but whether it's the one or the other understand that this that we're speaking of this blessing this grace is that you are tented with the glory of god it's what is spoken of in Psalm 91 and I'm not going to be able to get to that but he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty now do you see the connection? you dwell you're at home in what are you at home in? In in a tent of the glory of God or the secret place of the Most High you're living in the shadow of the almighty God now that doesn't mean trouble won't happen doesn't mean the pain won't come somebody asked me concerning Jabez when he said that evil would be far from him so it wouldn't pain him Uh, and they said but pain is going to come yes pain comes but it doesn't get to us it's Here, on the outside it can affect my flesh it can bombard my thoughts sometimes but it cannot get to me 1 John 5 says the wicked one touches the believer not and when you understand that you have become the dwelling of God you dwell in that secret place the Lord is your refuge the Lord is your shield around you Trouble comes, but it's the disturbance on the surface of life. For he himself shares your core being with you and is your strength. So you're in trouble. You've gone through trouble. Let me also push that further. Things have happened where you have lost. Your trouble has been a loss and you feel that life can never really be again because of the loss, whatever it is. And in that sense, maybe you're right. It will never be what it was. But you see the creative God is within you to take what life has become and make it into something glorious that you've never dreamed of sometimes when a person loses their job they say it's the end, it's finished instead of allowing the God of all creation to put creative thoughts in your mind as to where you're going next Elijah was fed by ravens and then for some reason God said enough of that, let's change and find the widow of Zarephath why? I'd be very contented with ravens for the rest of my life, thank you very much but no, the creative God is ever bringing forth further glory in us further innovation and all all I'm saying is wherever you find yourself this message if your heart has heard it is is going to take you into peace and the power and the strength and the joy of the Lord may it be so And now the blessing of God, who is almighty in love, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, rest upon you. Be as a tent of glory upon you, granting you union with his strength, his life, his wisdom, his joy, his peace, this day and forevermore. So I bless you and so it is. Amen.